Let's get into today's subject. Uh, I'm calling this just the sex talk, okay? And, and, and there was a little disclaimer that came out. Um, if, you, if you're here for the first time, <laughs> 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 woo! Lord, are you going to remember today? <laughs> if you're here for the first time. This is my church, so I can talk how I want to at my church. And I'm going out of here today, so <laughs> I'm going out with a bang. <laughs> I told my wife, you know, uh, last night, I said, honey, uh, you need to be in all three services because God's got a word for you. <laughs> it's right on the top of your worship guide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving right along. Okay. So this is... Uh, this is the sex talk, okay? And the first week we talked about cultural concerns, really sensitive but macro view of what's going on in our culture today. And then last week my wife talked about dealing with shame. And did she do a great job? Did Mama Fry do a great job? Can we give it up? <laughs> whoop, whoop. She killed it. She slayed it. Okay, and it was just great coming from a mother's voice talking about that, and uh, just so proud of her. Uh, but today, it's, 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 more the, uh, it's more the birds and the bees today, okay? And um, we're going to talk about just aspects of sex. But first, let me just say it like this. The, the views of sex through God's eyes or through God's word or through Christian kind of uh, Christian paradigm is really seen culturally as more an alternative, not like the major view. And so... Um, and so I've kind of positioned this as a sex talk, kind of uh, an alternative view for, for, for us as Christians, that I hope it becomes front and center, kind of the main view in your life. We, we live not in a theonomous culture, a God-ruled culture. We live in an autonomous culture, a self-ruled culture. And so I do what's best for me is really kind of the world we live. It's my body. I can do what I want to. This is kind of the world that uh, we live in today. Um, back in the day when my parents had the sex talk with me, and I don't know how you learned about sex. People may not have had the, the birds and the bees explained to them through their mama and daddy. It could have been out there. It could have been from a friend. It could have been at a sleepover. It could have been through a magazine under the sheets with a flashlight. Uh, I don't know how you learned about it. In, my, in my, my day, I learned about it through my mom and dad. And when my mom and dad had the sex talk, I don't remember anything. I remember one thing from the sex talk, one word from the sex talk, and it was don't. End of talk. <laughs> That's all I remember. And I deduced from this sex talk that it is bad because you shouldn't do it. Don't do it. And maybe your parents were different. Maybe your parents said, you know, as long as it's between two people who love each other and are committed to each other for a day or two, <laughs> then have fun, you know, butterflies, you know, and Green clovers and just have a bunch. It's fine. It's fine. That might have been another approach. Well, Jesus had a totally different view of this. His view is radical compared to what we see in today's world. To, you know, and we've seen this change, right? I mean, I, I'm 50-something now, and I can remember when, you know, I used to watch the Waltons. Anybody out there? Anybody with a cane out there know what I'm talking about right now? The Wallens, leave it a beaver. I mean, the, the morals and the values from then till now, like, you know, and then it was like uh, Three's Company, you know, and it was like, come and knock on our door, <laughs> you know, and like, that was like, what? 
I used to get in trouble for watching that. Like, that was just, that was worldly. That was so worldly. You'll ruin yourself. You'll go to hell for watching, hell for watching Three's Company. Some of you guys don't even know what I'm talking about right now. Now it's whatever. Oh, I could just go on all day. But everything's changed, you know? Uh, 20 years ago, the things that are on billboards, magazines, just scrolling through Instagram would be considered pornographic. Now it's mainstream, just totally normal. Yes or no? Right? Things have changed, right? Uh, Pornography at all-time high. Pornography is so acceptable. Like, we've gone from, there is no shame, in a sense, in the church, by the grace of God, there still is some conviction. And by the way, conviction unattended becomes condemnation, and that's why we feel shame. When you, so if you feel some conviction about it, you need to be happy. If you feel miserable, thank Jesus. If you feel miserable when you do something and you look at something, uh, the fact that there's a little miserable, that, that, means, that means the Holy Spirit's in you still working. But when you don't feel that, which is what our culture is today, it's not immoral, it's amoral. It doesn't even know right, doesn't feel it anymore. Is everybody with me? Yeah. And, and because of that, pornography has become acceptable. Listen, in counseling, counselors, therapists, uh, it's prescriptive. That means you need more of uh, masturbation and fantasy and pornography. <laughs> that was my best Dr. Ruth. I need a little bit of help from you guys right now. <laughs> Dr. What? I can't imagine accepting advice from a woman. I can't imagine even having sex. It's going to go. I'm going to go there today. You guys are wondering, okay? So she says that you need more masturbation and pornography, and you need, uh, you need to uh, wear a condom. And, and, and that's, that's the world's, and it's just normal, just prescriptive, prescriptive to give that up. If you've got somebody, a, you know, 13 or under, you better run. You better run, okay? I'm trying to warn you. 50% of women now are addicted to pornography. You're talking about a major change. used to be just a man problem, right? And so the idea is out there, sex is you have a right to it. Uh, It's how I express myself, my sexuality. It's how I'm fulfilled. I have needs and I have to have my needs met. I'll die if I don't have sex. Last I checked, it's not on anybody's tombstone. (laughs) 2018 died without sex. It didn't happen. Okay, I'm not saying it's not a big deal. I'm just saying you're not going to. Anyway, these are things people say. But Jesus' view isn't to save you from something bad. It's to invite you and introduce you to something better. But he says some boom things, like drop the mic things. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, the whole thing is like mic drop statements. And he gets to marriage and divorce. And then eventually he gets to sex. And some guy just woke up in the back when I said that. And when he gets to sex, this is what he says in, in verse 28 of Matthew 5. Is everybody with me right now? He said, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. Okay, so this is a reference to the law in the Old Testament, Moses. Everybody say Moses. Okay, so Moses goes up into the mountain. God gives him the law and he comes down and he, and he has these 10 things, these 10 suggestions No, these 10 commandments, and one of them was you can't commit adultery. Now, by the way, just a sidebar, if Moses was a sham, if Moses, if the whole thing, he had all these people following him, it was just a big scam, and it wasn't God-ordained, and he wasn't God's man, why would he come down with those 10 ideas? 
And one of them, you know, in other words, this is a great way to know God's behind something versus man's behind, behind something. When man is behind religion, listen, ladies, women become a commodity, a sexual commodity. Every cult or false religion that is, that is uh, orchestrated by man, women end up becoming a commodity to those men. So if it wasn't God... Why would he come down there and say, you shall not commit adultery. You shall leave thy father and mother and cleave unto thy wife and be just with her the rest of your life. Everybody excited about that? Crickets. That's what would have happened. Because all the major religions throughout society actually always included religion and sex together. It's just Christianity busts a move like this. It had to be a reason for it, this alternative view. And so he says, uh, you heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. Remember Moses, the big guy? Yeah, yeah. Then he says, Jesus speaking, I tell you, whoever looks upon a woman lustfully has committed adultery in his heart. <gasps> what? <gasps> it's like, <gasps> all of a sudden, Jesus gets all y'all, including me. We're all... <sighs> We all, we're all guilty, every single one of us. You're like, no, I'm not guilty. I never had a lustful thought in my life. What? <laughs> Come on. You were at the beach, Hopkins State Park, just last week. You saw a guy with a six-pack, and you thought, the last time I saw a six-pack, my husband was putting it in the refrigerator. <laughs> he don't look like that no more. <laughs> Things have changed. Don't tell me you weren't lusting. <laughs> Jesus said, you're no different than if a person showed up in your bed. That's what he said with this statement. Bam. Then he goes, if your right eye causes you to stumble, <laughs> gouge it out. So if I come back from the sabbatical and I'm wearing a patch, you know what happened. <laughs> okay? So. Then he says, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus, could you please tell us how you really feel? Like, just don't hold back. Like, just kind of tickle us a little bit. No, no, no. You'd be better at just cutting it off, gouging it out, because you could go to hell. Now, he wasn't talking about eternal separation. That's all about Jesus. He was talking about a living hell. He was saying that your life here will be filled with weeping and grinding of your teeth if you continue to live lustfully. It will consume you, and it will lead you dissatisfied, and it will actually hurt you. If you continue to go down that broad road, you're going to hurt. If you go down this narrow road, life's going to get better for you. I'm presenting an alternative view that I want you to have. It'll be like Gehenna over there, hell, but it'll be like heaven over here if you can hold on to what I'm telling you. Some of you have woken up the morning of the night before and thought, what did I just do? In other words, the night before, you, you did something, you got drunk, and you, you, you didn't even know the person's name. Now, some of you, this might not be yesterday, but it might have been a particular day in your past, and you, you couldn't believe you went there. And, and that morning of the night before, you were weeping about it. You were hurting about it emotionally. I would submit to you even spiritually, maybe even physically. You know, and, and, and it was this quick separation, and it had, it, it was all convenient on the front end, but it was all painful, kind of on the back end. 
This is what Jesus is talking about. He's going there in Matthew 5. Look at this. He's going to really go there and, and, and hang on. He says in verse 30, And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. This is a fun metaphor if we're talking about sex. Any gentlemen getting where I'm going with this right now? If your right hand causes you to stumble... It's better for you to lose that hand. It's in your Bible. So, if you don't want that kind of life, that kind of sexual life, maybe there's a different way. So, we have to learn the right way. So, let's talk about some alternative views. Number one, write this down. You first got to see that sex isn't just physical. It's not just physical. I hear an old song in my head, but it's... Yeah, but it just sounds really bad if a guy sings it. Okay, and so I think you know intuitively sex isn't just physical. But out there in the world today, culture today, that's not marketable. Like sex sells. It's got sizzle, you know, and we want to shimmy down, you know. We want to, sh you know, shake and bake. And we, like, it, that's what the world wants. But underneath that, we know Nah, sex is more than physical. And, and culture says, listen, if nobody gets hurt, if nobody gets a sexually transmitted disease, you know, if, if, you know, just have fun. Have fun. Sex is like, you know, table tennis, ping pong. It's like, you know, touch football. It's like, well, it's more like tackle football, you know. Just nobody gets off the ground, you know. It, it, just... <laughs> I'm going to have fun one way or the other by, my, by myself over here if I have to. It, it, it's, it's, it's just physical. No harm, no foul. That's the world out there that we live in. But I want you to see, and Jesus wants you to see, that if you treat sex like it's physical, you will hurt, listen, yourself. You hurt you. And I'm going to make some statements, really questions. And these questions, <laughs> I don't have all the answers for them. I just think that when you hear these questions, you'll have to agree it's more than physical. And some of these questions may conjure some pain, and I'm not doing it to make you feel pain, but I want you to feel the gravity of the statement that I'm making. Okay, so listen to this question. If sex is just physical is the context of the questions. Why is it that when a child is sexually abused, when they later become an adult and they kind of connect the dots as to what happened to them, why is it so difficult for them to shake that off? In fact, they realize it was there the whole time. Why is it that it follows them in a sense their entire lives? Like they're sort of tilted off the axis of life. Relationships are hard and, and they're often not healthy. And, and, and if it was just some dirty old man that touched me, why, you know, just move on. Nobody does that. So is it just physical? Right? Here's another question. Why is it that rape is so much more devastating to a woman than being physically beaten? I'm not saying that's not bad. I'm just saying that it's interesting and statistically proven that a woman will rat out physical abuse now, I'm not saying it doesn't go both ways, but by percentage, I'm, I'm, I'm giving normal, pers you know, perspectives on this. But she can, she can go to the authorities, and she can, she can say, she can toot the horn about physical abuse. But if she was sexually abused, she'll keep that secret often her entire life. It's because it's just physical? Here's, here's an interesting one, a little hard to explain, but why is it that men with the deepest sexual issues 
usually have uninvolved and missing fathers. And this is actually, in secular counseling, proven like almost 100% of the time. There's a loss of intimacy here, and there's an aberrant pursuit of intimacy, a false intimacy someplace else because of this massive, this massive gap. And smarter people than me can explain why there's this predictable habit. But it's not just physical. It touches us at the deepest level, these gaps. Why is it that the greatest regrets people have are almost always sexual? Listen, I'm a counselor, 28 years in ministry, and I've met with a lot of people behind closed doors, and a lot of times people want to tell me stuff, like I'm a priest, you know what I mean? I have a confession to make. Uh, and, and the confession is never, um, nobody look, pastor, in the eighth grade, I stole bubble yum from 7-Eleven. <laughs> Did you know that I was coming home from the airport and I ran a light at midnight. No, that's not what it is. It's almost always sexual what they tell me and some regret about it. Why is that? Because it's just physical? See, our culture wants to make it simple, surface. Like sex is just like eating a sandwich. No big deal. Just move on, you know? Write this in your notes. Uh, sexuality is an expression of intimacy, though. It Intimacy means to be known and fully known, to know and be fully known. I intimacy is about vulnerability. God designed a certain place, certain time, certain way for you to be completely vulnerable. In the garden, they were naked and not ashamed. <laughs> the closest we can get to that today is when, like for me, is my grandchildren can run around naked amongst adults by the dozens, and it's beautiful. In fact, it's like you pull the diaper off before they go into the bathtub. And what do they do? They run. They run naked through the house. And you're thinking, ah, I'm free. And that's, that's kind of what God wanted us always to feel like. But if we were to do that today as adults at a local barbecue, <laughs> the popo would be there really soon, everybody. Okay? So God, <laughs> he created sexuality, and it went way beyond procreation. It went even beyond pleasure, it went to this thing we call oneness or unity. And so in this fragility and, 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 and the power of it all and the pleasure of it all, it was meant to all come together, but to be handled with care. Is everybody there? So anyway, there's this text where we, we talked about what Moses saw. We talked about what Jesus said. Now Paul in 1 Corinthians, he's talking to uh, a culture much like the one we have today. Where, where, and much like church, Big C Church, not this church, because this church is pure. Uh, but he's talking to the Big C Church, and there's this mixture of worship and uh, sexuality together. It's just super common. There's prostitution in the church. I love Jesus. Yes, hey, what's up? You know, I mean, there was a lot of that going on. And Paul's like, 1 Corinthians 6.18, he says, flee from sexual immorality. And, and sexual immorality in the Greek means por pornea, where we get the, this pornographic term. He's like, you got to run from that stuff. They're like, what? Run from it? That was religion and sex always went together. And God's like, no, 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 no. And Moses is like, no. And Paul's like, hey, 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 you need to run from that. Then he says something that's not to keep you from something bad, but to protect you from something and show you how it hurts you, okay? He says, all other sin, everybody say, all other sin. All other sin. 
people commit are outside the bodies, but those who sin sexually sin against their own bodies. They sin against themselves. In other words, there's a different category of sin in the sin categories. Like, basically, there is no category of sin in terms of our separation from God. One sin weighs the same as a thousand. This sin is the same as that sin. God wiped it all, washed it all, paid for it all between you and him. But between you and you and you and others, sexual sin is a different category. Does everybody get what I just said? Like, you can be in right standing with God, but not in right standing with yourself. And not in right standing with somebody else. Because sexual sin's different. All other sins are outside God can deal with that, but this one can hurt you. So write this down. When you sin sexually, you hurt yourself at the deepest level imaginable. And then in verse 16, he says, do you not know? Do you not know? No, we don't, Paul. Tell us. Do you not know that he who unites himself with the prostitute is one with her in body? This was normal behavior, by the way. And, and one with her in body, and he says, the two become one. So he uses this word, unite. Unite is like super glue. That's, that's kind of the, the modern translation of what it means to unite. Once you stick together like super glue, how many know it's not meant to come apart? And what happens is he's saying you need to flee sexual immorality because you're super gluing yourself to somebody else. And every time you do it and you pull apart, have you ever put super glue accidentally on your skin before? <laughs> when you try to rip that off? And so what happens is people are going, they're uniting, 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 uniting. And eventually, you know what happens? They, don't, they, don't, they lose their stickiness. And they wonder later on when they're trying to be with someone the rest of their life why they can't stick together because they gave up all their stickiness all along the way. Can I have an amen from this church right now? God said, and Paul's speaking through him saying, he who unites superglue, what happens is you're meant to be connected to that person. And it's, it's bigger than physical. It's spiritual. It act, it's solical. It's what we call today uh, in Christendom a soul tie. You were meant to be one. And you, in, in math, do not divide by one. One cannot be undone in the kingdom. One plus one equals one in the kingdom of God. God says, you're together with that person. Don't break up. Now you're super glued together. And if you don't ever want to lose your stickiness, don't break it off. Don't break it off. And if, you don't, if you're afraid you will, don't come together in the first place. Okay? And so this creates this soul tie which is formed by time together with someone emotional, and then physical, you become vulnerable with another person that forms a tie. Some of those soul ties are good, and some of them are bad. Some of those soul ties are good in the context of marriage and even friendships. Like again, Matthew 19, the Bible says, the two shall become one flesh. Uh, in friendships, 1 Samuel 18, the Bible says, Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Sometimes you can have a soul tie, and it's not always sexual. It can be emotional. But soul ties can also be of no advantage to you and even painful and even problematic to you. And this is a tough scripture, but I'm going to read it anyway because it's in your Bible. But in Genesis 34, and I'm going to read another tough one, it says, this is speaking of Jacob's daughter. It says, but when the local prince, Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, saw Dinah. Dinah, don't you know? Dinah was apparently a pretty girl. It says, he seized her and he raped her. 
Now, he does this violent act, but then the Bible says he fell in love with her. He, his, the Bible says in one translation, his soul cleaved to her. And so because of sex, which he thought he could just rape her and walk away, no, because he had sex with her, his soul connected to her, and he wanted her. And he wanted her at all costs, went to his family and said, can you, by the way, it was a family, out, it was an intermarriage opportunity, and he went to his father and said, can you go petition Jacob and his family that she could be mine? And he did, and they begged Jacob, let us intermarry, and you can have all these resources and blessings and connections and, and all these different things if you would intermarry, which was forbidden by God at the time. And, and, and it was because of this soul tie that this took place. And you should read this story. It's like incredible what happens. These sons bow up for their sister, and you got to read it. Just bookmark that one, okay? But sometimes you know what this is like in your own life. All of us probably have an ex. An ex-girlfriend might have an ex-wife. Statistically, many people would have an ex-wife or an ex-husband. And... There was a solical connection to that person. And so you can be actually with another person and years later still feel a connection. And sometimes even though you don't have a right to, an attraction to that person because of a soul tie. God never wanted you to unite with someone that you wouldn't be with forever. Does that make sense? In Ezekiel 23, 17, what can happen is even in these sexual acts, it's more than physical. There's a spiritual thing that can happen. Do you know, because it's so much more than the physical, when you open yourself up that in, in total vulnerability physically, you're also opening yourself up emotionally and spiritually at the same time. We're a tripart being, spirit, mind, and body. And so when you have sex with somebody else, whatever's in them, in a sense, can be transferred to you, good or bad. It's quiet in this Catholic church right now. <laughs> and so this particular verse, it's an Old Testament verse. It says in verse 17, Ezekiel 23, it says, And the Babylonians, which by the way, can't unpack this right now, but it's, it's biblical imagery for demonic spirits, came to her in the bed of love, and they defiled her with their whoredom, and she was polluted by them. In other words, spiritual transfer can take place where there is inappropriate, out of covenant, out of God's design, uh, uh, sexual activity. And so, write this down. God designed you to become one with just one. When you go outside that plan for your life, you, 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 you eliminate that ability to have oneness. So then Paul says in verse 19, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Well, apparently not, Paul. That's why you're telling us. Whom you've received from God. He's saying something countercultural again. He's saying your body's not your body. It's God's body. And by the way, when you became a Christ follower, he gave his life physically for you and died. You don't have to die, but you give your body alive to him to honor him. You were bought with a price, so honor me with your body going forward. Is everybody with me? Verse 20 says that. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So honor God with your body. So the standard for uh, sexual behavior as a Christian is whatever honors God with your body. So you got to ask God, how can, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you should as a Christ follower say, how can I honor you with my body? Because it's not my body. How do I honor you with my body? Specifically in sexual behaviors and sexual activities. Now, I realize this is countercultural, and you're like, okay, that's great, thanks. Well, hang on. Listen to this next point. Number two, sex <laughs> is worth waiting for. 
And here's the reason why, according, I believe, to God. It's because we have a tendency to mess it up if we don't wait for it. We have a high risk of messing things up. And I think if we're honest with each other, we know we mess some things up. This is particularly true for men. And, and I, I, I've heard this from uh, the influences of Mark Gunger, but I also was watching this on YouTube. I was watching a YouTube channel on the, the birds um, and how they, and animals, and how they imprint on their, their parents. Uh, one of the, the, the craziest, dumbest birds is the crane. And the crane, when it's born, is so dumb that if, if its real mom is not there and there's a chicken going by when it's born, it will attach to the chicken and be like, mama, mama. You know, it, it just it immediately thinks because it just doesn't know. It's like the first impressions and the first experiences are where this what they call imprinting takes place. And it will follow that chicken around all the days of its life. In fact, humans that are observing the cranes as they're being born have to put themselves in costume like cranes and have voice recorded um, noises so they don't say anything human-like so, so that when they release them into the wild, they release them healthy because they always imprint on those first experiences. They'll follow them the rest of their days and it will follow them. Listen, the same is true for men. <laughs> see how I did that? See, see, men are like that. We tend to imprint on our first sexual experiences. And, and our first sexual experiences, which are almost always in a lust paradigm. In other words, it's just, there's a lot of heat, and it's in the back seat. And it's just 100% lust. And so when that happens, and we have our first sexual experience, we, our, our, our psyche and our, our emotions and our soul's like, oh, what's going on? This is incredible. And, we, and, our, and our minds is taking pictures of all of this. Is everybody with me? And so what happens is later in life when we get married or we get into relationships, we're trying to recreate those first experiences where there was an imprinting on our sexuality. And when we can't, we get disappointed and, and we get discouraged. And so culture says, you'll need to masturbate and fantasize more and just wear a condom. That's culture's answer to that problem is increase the lust paradigm because we believe everybody's had sex anyway. So you've been, and since it came about this way, you just need to do more of it, which leads to more dissatisfaction and more discouragement. Is everybody with me? But if a man's early experience was in the context of marriage, see, outside of marriage, in those first, in those first impressions or imprints, he attaches to the sex. But in the context of marriage, uh, two people are dating, and they, they fall in love, and they have a strong emotional connection, and they make a commitment that they're going to get married, but they stay pure, and other people have been involved in their relationship and in their life, and then one day, there's a wedding with all their friends and all their loved ones and their family, and it's before God, and then they have a honeymoon and they go to the honeymoon and it's the first time that they're gonna you know see each other naked and and, and have sex and and all of a sudden it's like oh and he's like and he imprints not on the sex but on the girl which was God's design. And that's why men and women who wait to have sex until that time have 
By far, it is a fraction of the divorce rate of other couples. And by the way, statistically, this is where we get the stats that married couples have better marriages. It's specific to married couples that waited. They have a healthy libido. They have a healthy sex life because their imprint was on the girl, not on the sex, which was born out of lust. Is everybody with me right now? Women are Women imprint differently, of course, because men are simple with sex. <laughs> what, what do men need? Her to show up. <laughs> Women need a lot more things. Okay? But, but women imprint differently. Women don't imprint on sex. They imprint on what happens after sex. So for women, I'm trying to get you to see how God's done it. So for women... If it's outside of marriage and outside of God's design and covenant and they have sex, then what happens is there's a connection that's made physically and then after that, you know what happens? Nothing. Oh, I was just friends with benefits. But that's not what she wanted. See, she didn't want this. She wanted this. But she didn't get that because she gave up this without having to go through this. In other words... You don't get a thing till you get the ring. There's a problem. And so she's disappointed. So over time, we just keep doing that, doing that, separate, doing that, separate. She believes sex equals nothing. And if you've been molested, sex is even worse for her. And so now these two paradigms come together, and we have all kinds of problems. And people are looking at Christianity, oh, it's just puritanical nonsense. You're just, no, you're ignorant. God had a perfect design in what he was doing. He was trying to make sure women weren't left numb from sex, and men weren't left disappointed from sex. Are you with me? And so, like, God set it up so that men and women would have these chemicals so I'm, I'm taking the spiritual, the emotional, and the physical out. We're going to talk about chemical, okay? So there's two chemicals that were supposed to work together that are not working together in sex. Man, the chemical in man that, uh, uh, that creates his sex drive is known as testosterone. Yeah! Come here, baby. Where are you at, baby? Right? Testosterone. You, you, ladies, you don't even know how, how much this affects us. If you knew how much it affects us, you'd be more disgusted than you are right now. It's, some people, a guy's sex life peaks out at 18 and then it goes down. And then you die. Okay? That's basically our life. Now, on the other side, and by the way, if it's, if it's not there, it's probably a testosterone problem. Same heart, same head, it's just his testosterone went down. And if you just got some hormone therapy or whatever, you'd see that guy come right back. <laughs> just sidebar. Over here on the other side is this, this chemical called, for women, it's called oxytocin. It's a connection drug. It's what bonds a woman to a baby when she's nursing. There's a certain bonding thing that comes out of that. In sex for women, you get a buzz from that. But listen, ladies, if you give up this too many times, then you don't connect the same way anymore. They've actually studied that women who've had multiple partners do not release oxytocin at some point. And so you don't have that chemical response and, and, and you don't have those incredible pleasurable experiences because on this side, the man was supposed to wait. He was supposed to, <laughs> okay, here's the girl's heart, okay? 
Are ready for anatomy lesson, everybody? Okay, okay. So this is her heart. The man is supposed to go to this, okay? To end up to get to this. <laughs> we'll just call that the happy place. <laughs> okay? Listen, ladies. If this didn't happen, he wouldn't have anything to do with you at some point. I'm just being honest with you. It's like, fundamentally, this is what he wants. But girls, you give up this, because, but you want this. You give up this so fast. See, but guys, you've got to go through this if you're ever going to get to this, if the girl does it right. Now, ladies, <laughs> ladies, so you want him to touch your heart, so you got to let him touch this. And then he'll let you touch this. Both things, it looks like this. This, this is, it's the perfect standoff. God created this chemical connection where the guy wakes up every morning. You know this to be true, gentlemen. I'm going to get graphic right now, so hang on to your seatbelt, okay? Every single morning, it wasn't you. It's just, and in that moment, he turns over to the wife and he says those three wonderful words that she always wants to hear first thing. Hey, you awake? He's got a chemical thing going. But see, he's supposed to be slow cooking her all day. But what happens is people are giving up this way too early. But if you'd let him play a little bit and climb at the coconut tree, <laughs> just have a little fun with it and let him chase you around a little bit. If, listen, if you touch this, honey, you can have this. Now, girls, this is very important to a man. Okay? It goes both ways. It's this standoff. Guys, you need to be nicer to the girl. <laughs> Girls, don't just give it up right away. And that healthy tension produces an incredible, healthy sex life. Is everybody with me? Yeah. Turn your neighbor and say, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Okay. Woo! <laughs> uh, Woo! Woo! It's only 65 in here, but it's like 120. That's conviction of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> see, see, what happens if you've crossed the line, then you need to, what I always tell people, because most people have, in order to get that back, you have to back up further from the line to restore that which was lost. So if you cross the line before, the closer you get to the line, you're going to cross right over that line again. So you have to back up a little bit further from that. It's, it's like a metabolism. If you have a healthy metabolism, you know those people that can just like eat donuts and they don't gain a pound. You hate their guts, ladies. You know what I'm talking about, right? And then there are other people like, they got to work at it. You know what I mean? In either case, can you have a healthy weight? Yes. One group, though, it's easier than the other. But you both can have it. Sexual metabolism is the same way. For those of us who've lost what we once had to restore that healthy uh, dynamic between a man and a woman, you might have to work at it a little bit hard. Maybe, maybe the rest of your life. Because of some things that I've done in my past and things that I crossed the line on, it wasn't just like a piece of cake. Okay? It's, it, it, there's a work to it. And sometimes it doesn't come easy. Everybody with me right now? 
all right? Now, I have, I have this final point. Put this in your notes here, okay? In, in a nutshell, is the secret to, to sex is not, it's in exclusivity, not experience. It's in exclusivity, not experience. Uh, Genesis 2 says, the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. But before that, it says the two became one. There's something about oneness. You will always appreciate and understand sex better from a position of light than darkness. And God is light. And so it's better to come from his lens on sex than from yours or the world's. In a nutshell, is everybody with me? And so he's determined the what sex is all about, the when you should do it, and even the how. See, the how isn't just, isn't just like I was just saying a second ago, it's not just run right into it. You know what I mean? Like, there's, you know, you can have the right ingredients, but let's, let's let it bake a little bit. Let's let it cook a little bit, right? Guys, we're so bad. We're so bad. We're like, hey, come here, baby. All right. And so here's another thing about sex. <laughs> Write this down. That practice makes perfect? This is a cultural thing. If I have more sexual partners, then we'll have great sex. Mm, what motivates that? Well, because when I was a kid and when you were a kid, maybe when you were an adult, you were led to believe if you're not good at sex, sex is going to suck. And so you thought, I got to be good at it, so I better practice. And that's what culture has told us. But yet, uh, and, and, I, and I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to get into that situation. I'll look stupid. Let me just tell you something. From 28 years of marriage and marriage counseling and things like that, look stupid. She loves it. <laughs> look stupid. He loves it. Like, it's the innocence of it that's awesome, not the experience of it that's awesome. And, and all I need, I need to know what I'm doing. Trust me, nobody needs a lesson on sex to figure out how sex works. <laughs> I don't know where this goes, and I don't know what that is. Everybody's been able to figure it out all through the centuries, okay, everybody? <laughs> and, and God wanted you to have a lot of sex. He was okay with that. But some people say sex, you know, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I would just say you're six inches too high. <laughs> it's good. It's good for him. <laughs> like I said, I'm going on sabbatical. I don't care. So romance is fueled by exclusivity, knowing that he'll be there and he would never look away. He would never run away. She would never look away. She would never run away. That fuels uh, the intimacy. So determine the kind of story that you want to tell from this point forward. And if you've never crossed the line, you've never gone there before, determine the kind of story that you want to tell. I have friends that I was interviewing last night that were married. Well, first of all, she, Lynn and Brian, some close friends, they were leaders in this church for many years. Lynn was divorced, and then after that, lived a very promiscuous life, and, and, and her husband also had uh, sexual activity before marriage. They came together, but prior to them coming together, listen, ladies, listen, guys, I talked about this. You want to restore what was lost so you can have great sex, then you have to sometimes go to, to reboot the system and to restore it, sometimes you have to, like, walk away from some things for a while. So Lynn, Lynn didn't date guys for six years. Six years. But it was intentional, okay, by the way. And then she met Brian, and they started dating for 18 months. They decided not to have sex in their relationship. It was a commitment they made to each other. And by the way, they included other people so they could keep that commitment. Because if you make a commitment to be accountable to each other, good luck. Okay, but they, they went 18 months and they never had sex until their wedding night. In fact, they didn't even kiss on the lips until the day of their wedding. 
My wife and I would testify to this. We, we wept. We'd never seen something like that. It was so special. It was so beautiful. It was incredible. And when I was interviewing Lynn, I was saying, Lynn, tell me about sex before and tell me about sex now. She goes, she says, sex now is awesome. And absolutely, her husband's on the phone. It was just this free, innocent conversation. She said, Pastor Derek, God totally restored my innocence and my purity. I said, well, tell me, what, what was it like before? She said, I can't even remember. God cleansed that. So some of you feel like you're trapped. I have to go this way because it's the only way. I, it's just, I'm just going to white knuckle it until Jesus comes or I'm just going to give in. No, 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 no. I want you to know something. God can restore your purity. God can restore your marriage. God can restore your sex life. But sometimes you need to see that this isn't just a sacrifice. It's an investment in your sexuality and in your relationship with the other person. In fact, write that down. Giving up something now for something better later is not a sacrifice. It's an investment. Can I have an amen from everybody out there? Can we give the Lord a big hand clap for his word? I'd like you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. With every head bowed, every eye closed. This is just a, just a prayer of favor and blessing on you in our absence. You can just put your hand on your heart. Father, I pray that you would use these three weeks and the message that has come forth through the different speakers, but more through you directly to restore the innocence of the people of God, that they would believe to see, not see to believe, that God could restore their innocence and their purity. They could go back almost like they're in the garden again. If they're married, that God can restore their sex lives in their marriage. If they're single, that God could show them the benefits and the blessing of waiting, that they're making not a sacrifice, but they're making an investment. I pray that you would do a mighty work, Lord, in a culture that is so different than the one that we're in right now. Would you change our minds? And more importantly, would you change our hearts so that you could change our lives? And it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. And all God's church said, amen. amen. I love you guys. I can't wait to see you in a couple of months. God bless you.